Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hello and welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. I'm Matt Harmon and I'm excited as I always am whenever I get a chance to talk to Dalton Del Don. Dalton, how are you doing uh, this week and how pumped are you to get back into our weekly stat nerd podcast once the season gets kicked off? I got to tell you, my notebook is already ready to be filled. I'm fired up for it. Uh, good to be back, Carmen. I think we both spent a little uh, vacation time um, ready to talk some football. Uh, and also, by the way, congratulations, Mr. Number One a Fantasy Pros <laughs> Ranker on the draft rankings last uh, year, uh, Matt Harmon. So I haven't talked to you since then. Congratulations. Uh, I'm, I'm humbled to be just your mere podcast partner oh here. Oh, my God. Dalton, please. Like, you're you're up there, like, literally every year in actually being good at this whole ranking thing. I have no idea uh, how... How that happened but uh i honestly i mean it's mostly just projecting teams or whatever but you know my let's call them complicated feelings on rankings so you nobody literally nobody was more surprised uh than me when i found out um that i was number one but basically i think we can all agree i vanquished rankings um the most anti-ranker uh ranker has destroyed the rankings thing we can all just go on with our lives never ranking anything again I say that's basically the takeaway here. Yeah, I know you probably didn't spend uh, quite as much time as, as maybe others at the top of the leaderboard, but no qualifiers are needed, man. You're number one. No excuses. <laughs> or, yeah, don't make any excuses. Congrats, Harmon. Well, well done. Well done. The, the own only, it, the, own the, it, yeah. man. Own it. The be- the, I, I will own it. The best thing about it is just being able, like, anytime – you know, some one of my like my friends is like, well, what do you, you don't know what you're talking about or whatever. I'm like, uh, actually, number one, I'm number yeah. one. Like that's I probably will never use it professionally, but personally arguing with friends and stuff like that. That's definitely when it's going to come out. Also, transitioning to more good news here. This is a good time to mention um, that we're going to be back to five days a week here on the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast starting Monday, August 2nd. Going to be pretty electric. I'm excited to get back to daily shows. It's going to be good to have a bunch of guests leading up to draft season and then obviously into the regular season. I'm excited, man. It feels this is always about the time of year for me where I feel like the wave is just about to hit us. And it's just that like I can see it off in the distance, but it's not quite here yet. But I am definitely excited for the football season to be here. And I'm sure you are, too, after having to deal with, you know, all those other sports of late. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, August is fast approaching, all the draft season. Yeah, this is the time, man. It's good, good, good stuff. I'm, I'm, I'm ready for football to get going. We still have a couple you know, couple more weeks of downtime, but uh, some news is breaking. Don't we have some uh, even even breaking news right now? Yeah, we lit- literally just as we were about to record, uh, we can transition here into this. This comes from Tom Pelissero, obviously, of the NFL Network. He says that the NFL just informed clubs that if a game cannot be rescheduled during the 18-week season in 2021 due to a COVID outbreak among, among unvaccinated players, the team with the outbreak will forfeit and be credited with a loss for the playoff seeding per sources. He says it's massive implications. Also, he goes on to say that uh, the team responsible for the canceled game because of the outbreak among unvaccinated players or staff will be responsible for financial losses and subject to potential discipline from the commissioner. So the NFL is very serious about these guys getting this shot, getting vaccinated so that we don't have an interruption in the season. I mean, can you imagine if, I don't know. I feel like nothing this dramatic ever really happened last season. So maybe nothing comes of it this year. But I do think it's something to watch for these teams that we've heard have lower vaccination rates at this point. I mean, there's obviously still time for this thing to get done. But the NFL is definitely clearly 
making it so that if you have a lower vaccination rate among your players, like literally whatever you think about it, whatever your thoughts are on the subject, it doesn't really matter because the NFL has decided, like, if you don't have a high vaccination rate, you have these risks, you're going to be at a competitive disadvantage, which I do think matters what, for those of us on the outside projecting this whole thing. Yeah, I didn't hear about I mean, I didn't know about this until you informed me right before we started recording. So I haven't read the details. But, yeah, if, if he's saying that it could have massive implications. Um, no, there was a lot of rescheduling last year. Um, man, in my in my head, I was just we're, we're, we're over this. Uh, you know, let's move on and talk about football. And uh, But clearly, this is still still an issue. And this could be dramatic if they're forfeiting games. But um still have a time i haven't been following the vaccination rates per team i've seen the headlines or whatever from the from the extreme one way or the other but now maybe i guess uh it's something to pay attention to um if the nfl is going to make these drastic of moves but yeah it's definitely definitely obviously a story to continue monitoring yeah exactly it's definitely something that we're not quite out of the weeds yet with the whole covid thing in the nfl like it, it's going to continue to be a talking point and we'll see i mean there are obviously some guys that will make the choice to not get the shot and then could be on the COVID list. Like there's still going to be some COVID interruptions for this season. I think that you have to kind of come to that, like probably not as dramatic as it was last year. Like we are, are we going to see another Wednesday night football game? I doubt it. It seems like the NFL does not want that to happen, but we still might have guys getting pulled out, um, not playing or whatever, because they've made that choice to not get the vaccine and everything. So we'll see. Uh, But that I thought that was pretty significant that the NFL will not just cause teams to forfeit games, but also financial losses. Um, They'll be responsible for that. They could get disciplined. Like we're talking about teams losing draft picks potentially and everything like that. So um, we'll see. We'll see what happens, but I don't know. I thought that was a interesting it was a bit of breaking news considering there's been next to no breaking news that doesn't have to do with Rams running backs the last like two weeks. So uh, interesting way to start the show, but we're going to spend today, Dalton, talking about camp storylines that we're looking forward to. Um, and like I say that we're looking forward to that's how I'm leading off my column this week, too, is like I'm not exactly looking forward to all of these. Uh, talking points, especially about one Green Bay quarterback who shall go remain uh, nameless at this point. But we got to talk about them. They're important to monitor. Uh, we know that sometimes there's smoke at a training camp. Sometimes there's fire. Uh, it's important to diagnose these situations. And let's start off with the Steelers. Dalton, I feel like you and I have talked about the Steelers for I mean, dating back to like this time last year, I feel like we spent so much time talking about this passing game. And now it's obviously kind of come full circle in a way like there might not even be a pass heavy offense. But look, Adam Schefter tweeted out the picture. It's gone all over uh, the Internet lately. Big Ben looking pretty good. I mean, for for his age, for Big Ben adjusted terms, Big Ben's looking pretty good coming into training camp, looking a little slim down. Uh, the face is looking smaller. I, I got to say, I'm. I'm impressed. Ben's looking good. I won't say he's looking right and tight, but he's looking pretty good. (laughs) And it's important, obviously, for the Steelers offense because everybody's high on Najee Harris. The um, Steelers receivers are still pretty up there in terms of ADP, but Roethlisberger himself is like way, way down there. So mathematically, it doesn't make any sense to be high on this receiver core, but have Roethlisberger so low in ADP. What are you hoping to see out of Roethlisberger in training camps what are you what what kind of tea leaves are you going to be looking to read here you know it's easy to make fun of uh the best shape of your life stories but uh I take credit to some you know Ezekiel Elliott we'll talk about later I I do take credit to to him showing up after an off year and and Roethlisberger maybe couldn't quite do the cardio with the surgeries in the past off seasons and it's good to know he's late in his career maybe he's taking his cardio more seriously and that he knows that the end is near and again another player coming off a down year like Zeke so I think there's something to that uh maybe changing your diet and whatnot. Roethlisberger is fascinating for multiple reasons, though. There was a, a report earlier this offseason that he has this pre-snap run past tell for the past few years. And hmm. I, I mean, just that in and of itself, if he changed, could make life easier on him. Also, no quarterback in the league last year attempted fewer uh, percentage of his passes play action. Maybe that's because he doesn't like turning his back to the defense and he kept calling. Uh, he was only sacked like twice the second half because uh, he was just taking those two and a half step drops. So Same. new offensive coordinator. Um, I, I, now he's in shape. Uh, maybe some more play action. I don't know. Will be interesting. But then you also hear them even admit themselves it's going to be a work in progress. Their reshaped offensive line. So that's a whole other issue. But obviously, there's talent on the receivers. Um, I've been bumping up Najee Harris, taking him 
top 10 pick. There are just so few backs you can project for that many touches. Um, and Deontay Johnson, I want to ask you about specifically. He's one of the hardest players for me to rank um, because it's all about uh, volume and target share. But 144 targets is great. 920 yards actually shows he was really bad, actually, if you look at it that way. So what do you make? What do you, you like the volume or is he is there going to be less volume because he was so damn inefficient? And there's Chase Claypool and Juju returning. I think it's not so much that I'm worried about the volume of target. Obviously, the volume is great and a good thing. You know, I believe the targets are earned, right? Like targets aren't just like arbitrarily doled out or whatever. Like they kept throwing to Johnson because they believe he's a good player. And we know that he had drop issues and stuff like that. But my bigger concern is I think they need to expand the variety of targets that he was getting. Like, I think based on my research that Johnson is a full field guy, like he can win deep, short, intermediate, everything like that. I think he can win across the route tree. So I want to see them expand their use of him and honestly of Juju as well. Get Claypool more involved. Like we don't, I don't, I could not care less about like Deontay Johnson's yards per target or Juju's yards per target or anything like that. Because I think the reason that both of those guys had such low yard per target numbers last year is because Roethlisberger wasn't throwing the ball more than like five, 10 yards down the field. Like that's the big question to me is if Ben is better this year and, you know, classic Ben Roethlisberger, he comes out earlier this off season says like, I'm not making any excuses, but my elbow surgery is my excuse, right? Like, and then he makes an excuse. That's classic big Ben stuff. I love it. I appreciate him leaning into that. So, The thing is, though, if that's legitimate and Roethlisberger really can sling it around more this year, if he is in better shape and everything like that, then I think we could get this passing attack much more in a much better place than it was last year. And the fact that they actually have the threat of a real run game should help the passing offense as well. So to me, I have zero questions about Johnson, the player. I just have questions about how is this passing offense going to look? If Ben is at least an average to slightly above average starter, I think all of these guys, Claypool, Johnson, Juju, I think all of them are going in really comfortable ranges right now in drafts. And I do think they are appropriately ranked. Like I would go Johnson, Claypool, Schuster every single time. Um, and I'm fine with Najee Harris where he's going. I really do think that Ben Roethlisberger is kind of the underrated one at this point just based on the fact that we like literally every skill position player here. The only other question too, is the offensive line, which as you mentioned, Matt Canada, the new offensive coordinator did say he expects growing pains for the new offensive line. That's a fair assessment with Deontay. I agree that targets are earned and this is not on him, the inefficiency last year. So I guess the concern is maybe he'll see, this year, will it continue a ton of targets that go nowhere because of a wash bin, but hopefully not, hopefully not. Cause it's a lot of interesting pieces there. And uh, that's that division should be an interesting one as well too. But uh, yeah, nice to see big bins felt and, uh, and looking ready for the season. Yeah. I think you could also argue too, that like the fact that they overused Johnson on these short slant routes over the middle of the field. I think they kind of were doing that maybe as a extension of the running game because they knew they just absolutely could not run the ball with the ghost of James Conner and like Benny Snell and all these guys. So, you know, sort of like in a way that the Patriots used to do things when they didn't have a great running game, they had those like quick slants to Edelman and stuff like that. But that is a very inefficient way to play football, like over and over and over again, when you don't have any other, um, I know next gen stats has put the uh, chart out that that like, no kidding. Johnson led the league in drops. He's only getting targeted in that area of the field. And that's where most drops occur. So um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I yeah, hope right. that I just hope that they open the, the field up for all of their receivers, Johnson included, because I definitely believe he is a capable player uh, in that regard. Let's move on. I'm just bitter. I was just bitter real quick. I was just bitter yeah. with Jerry Judy, that one DFS game costing me uh, money with the drops, but honestly I cannot care less about about drops and receivers like like yeah i don't even look at that but that, i was just talking chargers more efficiency game, some- that chargers game that you're that you're talking about with jerry judy was painful i went back and watched that game a couple of months ago and it was like man i mean oh that was tough uh i know producer brett on the line is is happy to be revisiting this sort of broncos pain here just like totally out of left field catching strays <laughs> um let's move on to to the Dallas Cowboys, you brought it up earlier. Uh, shout out to Zeke. It's his birthday today, July 22nd, as we're taping this. It's his 26th birthday, Dalton. Doesn't it feel like he's been in the league for like 100 years? I know he came in super young. 
Um, but still, it's crazy. Yeah, that's like you... Dalvin Cook, right? Yeah. Dalvin Cook's 25, right? Yeah, it seemed out. They seem way different to me in age wise. Yeah, that is crazy. And he has had quite a workload, but at least the second half last year, it wasn't it worked hard. But I did see a stat that everyone's worried about Henry, and I am too, with his 800 carries the last two years. But since he entered the league, it's like Zeke has like 500 more touches oh, yeah. or something. Yeah, Zeke has been worked and worked hard. Uh, that is for sure. It's worth noting, I think, with Zeke. Like we just talked about Roethlisberger, you know, looking great or whatever. It seems like an every other year thing with Zeke. Like one year he comes in out of shape. He's been in Cabo, whatever. This year, though, we're back on the good year. You know, he's like out there with these flashy Instagram videos looking good. Everyone's saying he's explosive again. I don't know. I'm I want to watch in Cowboys camp. I want to pay attention to those reports because I think for some like for most players, I don't care about the best shape of their life thing. But we have definitely seen with Zeke, like when he's ready to rock, he's having good years, everything like that. Like, I do think there's something to that story. Also, want to hear, like play te- pay attention to where these receivers are lined up. I think we've talked about this uh, in previous podcasts too. But like Amari Cooper starting the um, starting camp on the PUP list. Uh, Mike McCarthy doesn't sound too worried about that, but that's obviously a story to track. Like I want to see them lining up Lamb outside more. I want to see them getting Gallup out of the X receiver position. Maybe putting Cooper in the slot more. I think they could be much more multiple with their receiver use than they were last year. So. Obviously, all of that combined with the health of Dak Prescott, producers across the universe, TV producers, uh, football editors will be very happy that we're going to have a lot of Dallas Cowboys storylines to talk in training camp. I mean, it should be a fun team. Last year, they combined for the most plays per game. Uh, they were the quick, and it wasn't just a fluke. They're the quickest, fewest seconds per snap. So, I mean, yeah, you don't love the the, the donkey play calling sometimes, but I love this, this the speed, the pace there for, for fantasy managers. Uh, Zeke, I've moved up to my number three running back. Uh, I know he's, oh, he's nice. not... He's he's moving more in the normally I'm all about moving on to the next young big thing, but man, I love this setup here. I just said the most combined plays last year. He looked Pollard, you know, maybe got his attention, so he showed up in the in, in good shape. They're getting both their tackles back that missed all of last season. I have Dak Prescott right there in tier one. Like I I have no problem with ranking him right there with Mahomes and Josh Allen. Um and I have CeeDee Lamb as my wide receiver 10. Gallup's one of my favorite wide receivers in that 30 is 35 range. Um, so yeah, I'm all in on the Dallas offense here. I think they're going to be fun. Um, some people say it's overrated to worry about their defense being bad, but whatever. I see a lot of shootouts in that division and uh, a lot of points. And uh, Cooper, Cooper's the one I'm just always a little worried about with injury concerns, but he's always rock solid. Uh, here's a controversial move. I just, just today I'm in the slow draft, this Warrior Bowl League, and I took Ayuk over Cooper. Uh, I know that, that might be controversial, but, but like maybe may a homer, maybe a homer move, but all, all the other Cowboys <laughs> I'm in on, even Jarwin, I love Jarwin. When Cooper, he's just going about market value. The others, I'm like, oh, I will reach for. Yeah, no, I, I, I think that I think I, I'm excited about the offense too. I agree that Cooper's kind of the one that always leads me to some pause. There's the injury concern. I just think that Lamb could really take that step as their wide receiver one, and then Gallup is such a value. But I'm in on taking all of these players, all these Cowboys guys. There's just so many storylines to monitor, and um, I don't know, man. It's going to be a fun. It's going to be a fun year for uh, for the Cowboys. But so you have Zeke at RB three. I assume McCaffrey and Cook are your two. Does that mean how far have you moved Saquon Barkley to stay on NFC East running backs? Like, I I don't know, man. And maybe you can maybe you can talk some sense into me here because I feel like the concern. I, it's it is weird, admittedly, for a guy like th- look. We're talking about Zeke, best shape of his life. Roethlisberger, best shape of his life. This is when guys are overly positive about how they're doing from a physical sense. It is a little odd to hear Barkley kind of put cold water on his own injury status. And will he be ready for week one? But I've seen Barkley, like I was in a best ball draft the other day and, and he was like slipping to the second round, you know, to like the end of the first. And at that point, it's like, man, are we kind of over panicking about maybe a potential slow start when we know that if he's right, if he's out there, he's going to be one of the most valuable players in fantasy. Are, are you able to talk any sense to me or am I am I am I being too aggressive here about like staying optimistic? 
So after Zeke, I'm, I'm really settling in as Jonathan Taylor is my number four. I know there's some concerns there. There's there's really concerns for every running back in the first yeah. round. You could point to some war. But after those four, to me, there's like a tier that you could talk to me. Like, I, I don't know. Henry, uh, Kamara, obviously come up 21 touchdown season. But I move Barkley down to that end of the first round, number 10, just because of those concerns. But I, it's that same tier to me. Um, maybe the second half, he's he's getting all the workload because he's coming off, you know, a year and a half of not. And he's the guy that wins your, your fantasy leagues for you down the stretch. Barkley's awesome. I mean, generational talent. But, I mean, are you going to take uh, him over Kamara or Henry or, or, you know, Najee Harris even when he's saying I might not even be ready until a month into the season? So, yeah. I, I don't know. It's a concern there. But, like I said, there's a concern with all these backs. So, that's why I'm, a guy like Elliot, just the situation's so good. That's why he's almost by default, you uh, know. That's why I'm saying he's moving up to number three. I know. It's it's funny. Like, we talk about all these concerns with Zeke, but you're right. You, you go after – I mean, even – McCaffrey and Cook and uh, there's injury concerns obviously with every running back and that's kind of the thing with Barkley is like it's just the fact that you know there's already injury concerns that's what's having people back off so far but we know that we accept risk with the running back position and injuries every time you take any of these guys I mean Jonathan Taylor could be out after two snaps like a guy like Barkley was after two weeks last year so I don't know I'm I'm definitely willing to buy the injury discount on Barkley, but I don't know. I could be a sucker on that, but yeah, it does come back to Zeke for me and just stay on the Cowboys thing here. Like as long as training camp goes really well for him, I think he could easily hit that RB three type of uh, type of return for you there because uh, there's just so there, he checks a lot of boxes. And there's something to proving that you can handle those carries in the NFL field. I mean, I loved Akers, and I ranked him aggressively. He had never done it, though. In fact, he got his ankle hurt at the end of last year, so he'd never shown that he could do that. I was willing to take the leap, but I feel like I, I, there should be credit for the, for the players that have proven they could do it at the pro level, and their body can take 16, 17, you know, the pounding uh, year after year, and, and, and Elliot has done that. I know he's going to very soon, you know, a couple years from now, when he's 28, 29, you're gonna, or maybe even next year, you'll want to get off often, but I think one more year in this setup it, it's pretty good setup right now 100 percent. well one guy who has proven that he can do it on the nfl field and also has proven to be probably the most exhausting storyline of the entire offseason is aaron Rodgers. um i don't know dude help me out with this because it's sort of a will he won't he game in terms of when he's going to show up like guys like adams and jones who are literally the elite of the elite at the position continue to slip down best ball draft boards because but really like nothing's changed right like Schefter can tweet about the fact that uh you know he turned down a contract extension we knew he turned down a damn contract extension like two months ago so it's really just kind of like people are counting it twice in terms of how far they're dropping down adams and jones but what are, are you is it basically just like with rogers when he shows up, he shows up because we assume he's gonna. I mean, I just I cannot imagine he's just gonna retire, right? Like, but that's basically the only other option he has at this point. Yeah, it seemed like Schefter was doing the team a favor by leaking news that had already been out there or re-leaking it, I should say. But um, yeah, there's not much to report here other than I will say the longer this drags on, I feel like a trade is less likely. I mean, what Denver is going to trade him in mid-August, you know, I mean, I really thought there was legit chance that Denver did, especially after passing on Justin Fields to the draft, but. Um, now it seems increasingly less likely, but ah, Rogers is also a stubborn guy. So I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen here, but the most likely scenario is he shows up in August and, and all these guys, you know, you get, you got Devonte Adams at wide receiver five when he would immediately jump back to number one. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's an interesting storyline. Everyone's following it and, and Rogers is making the rounds, but, um, there's there's no news and my 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 I guess my takeaway would be the no news means he's more likely to return to Green Bay and a trade becomes less likely. I was in a draft the other day and I saw I have no idea who this person was it was, was you know random random person or whatever. They in a best ball draft drafted Rodgers and Adams and Robert Tunyon and Amari Rodgers like the Packers big fat stack but then they also drafted Cortland Sutton. They also drafted like <laughs> KJ Hamler late. They drafted um, Noah Fant, I think, too. And I was like, wow. They're like, it's like sort of a weird hedge there, right? I mean, he's, I don't think he's getting traded to the Broncos, but I did think that was funny. Like, I rarely monitor what other people are doing in drafts, but I could see this guy doing it. It was very, very funny. I don't know. That, 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 uh, that tickled me a little bit. That is good. I, 
I'm personally in on A.J. Dillon. Uh, I know it, it, it was too. like 10.8 touches per game. Jamal Williams gave up. So he could actually be an okay flex even. But, man, if Rodgers returns and Aaron Jones goes down, league right. winner is thrown around. But there it is. I mean, look at that guy carrying guys in the pl- in the playoffs. He he looks like a beast to me. He looks like a possible league I winner. was ready to get so gassed up about A.J. Dillon if Aaron Jones moved on. Obviously, we know that he returned. He, you know, didn't even, there was, didn't even test the market. Um, I was really ready to get gas up about Dylan. I feel like the entire industry now, because of that disappointment has pushed Dylan down the draft boards. But as you said, like he probably has like, what the heck's what the heck flex value, like every single week, because he could potentially be a touchdown guy. Williams, as you mentioned, got a decent amount of work, but yeah, he obviously then has the injury upside. Like he's a perfect pick where he's going right now. I think he could, cause he has that combination of potential weekly, like I said, what the heck flex sort of range, like just throw him out there, see what happens. He's attached to one of the, in a, in a world where Rogers is back attached to one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, best offenses, but still has that massive upside. If something happens to Jones, I don't know. I, I, I love taking him where he's going. Um, would you rather have AJ Dillon or Gus Edwards? Cause I think they're sort of like the same equation to me. Yeah, they are in that tier, but I have Dylan above them all, nice. above the Pollard, Madison, Gus Edwards, them all. Yeah, AJ Dylan's the guy that I, I'm going after yeah, first. Def- the Murray's definitely all those, more yeah. weekly viability, like potential usability there instead of guys like Pollard. Like as much as we talk about Pollard in the fantasy industry, you know, like everybody's like, oh, there's this fear that Tony Pollard's going to suddenly become, or fear or like desire for Tony Pollard to become the RB1 over Zeke. Cowboys have never shown any inclination to do that. It's not going to happen. Like this is Dallas Cowboys we're talking about here. Like Zeke's going to get that football. Um, But a guy like Dylan's definitely going to get some work uh, with the Packers there. Let's move on to another running back situation. I want to just take your temperature on this because I've obviously been thinking about Daryl Henderson a lot. The last few days, I know we talked, Scott talked about this on last podcast, so we don't have to go like deep dive on the Cam Akers injury or anything, but where did you end up settling Daryl Henderson in your rankings? And what do you need to see at a training camp to feel like really strong about him going into the season? Yeah, I was convinced Akers was in for a big season. I have him in a couple dynasties, pretty frustrated. But um, so Henderson, I mean, he was PFS number one graded rusher over the first month last year. The highest yards per carry in college football history. So there's upside. We can't even name. I mean, we're all learning that his ba- his backups names right now. I mean, we're all doing the deep dive. I mean, that's how little there is on that depth funk. chart. Um, but there's a guy with last was, name Funk. He, yeah, yeah I mean, right. that's exciting. Yeah, funk. yeah. yeah. For sure. He um, Henderson was even dealing with another minor energy, minor inner injury in OTAs. Easy for you to say. Um, so he obviously we don't know if he can be a workhorse, but in that system with Matthew Stafford taking over, I mean, the upside is obviously there. So I just put him in this big group of the tier of the, the RB dead zone. I mean, he's right there with uh, Miles Sanders, J.K. Dobbins, David Montgomery, ATN. Uh, Gaskin, DeAndre Swift, Chris Carson, Josh Jacobs. I have him right there. You could put him at the top of it for upside. You could put him at the bottom of it because his floor is very, very low as yeah, well. Yeah, I think that that's right. Kind I, of. I saying. think that's just about perfect. Like the only real risk here is that the Rams decide. And to be fair, you know they did move on from Henderson in favor of Acres. Acres is probably the better player, which is why Acres was going so high. Um, I think if you're not willing to rank Henderson aggressively or in the range that you and I are talking about right now, you have to kind of admit that maybe Akers was going too high. But I'm not willing to admit that. I think Akers was going in the right range. So I'm pretty comfortable with where I have Henderson because I think having him at RB20, RB18, something like that is appropriately counting on the fact that like, okay, yeah, they might just move on to Funk or Xavier Jones or some vet to be named later. I think you're accounting for some of that risk by putting him there, but yeah, like what's the difference in outlook between a guy like Daryl Henderson and a guy like Miles Sanders or a guy like DeAndre Swift? Like I definitely right away threw him at RB 20, which was over guys like Mike Davis and Miles Gaskin and Kareem Hunt. Like when those guys come up on the draft board, I don't want to take any of those players. But I can get myself excited about Daryl Henderson. Now it's sort of debating him between guys like Miles Sanders, J.K. Dobbins, as you mentioned. I'm pretty comfortable having David Montgomery, RB15. I kind of think he's a little underrated right now. But yeah, it's, it's sort of Henderson's in that range. But 
I don't know, man. I think if as long as we hear out of camp that he's the clear cut running back one, like he could definitely even outkick this this ADP, which is a pretty big leap for him. I'm I'm with you on David Montgomery, by the way. He might be in that uh, tier uh, above them with the, with the with the volume. Uh, so Acres, I think the only difference was just McVeigh flat out professed his love to him. So that that was the difference of why he was going higher because he actually said, you know, I love him. He's going to be the workhorse. They treated him like it the final six weeks. But man, this is a system that saw Todd Gurley score like 54 touchdowns over a three year period. They spread it out. That was with Goff. I mean, they 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 just produce, it's such a good system for that running back in the red zone. And man, now with Stafford, I just the setup. I I mean, say top five upside may be thrown around a little liberally, but I mean, Daryl Henderson has top five overall upside if he becomes the Rams feature back. Probably unlikely. Could he hold it? Probably unlikely, but it's definitely within the range of outcomes. Yeah, exactly. I think like I think compromising and having him in that RB 17 to 20 range is sort of accounting for the upside, but also accounting yes. for the injury risk. But yeah, either way, totally. I think if you're listening to this right now, the big takeaway here is. You definitely want to be taking Daryl Henderson over guys like Mike Davis. Like I, I always, I feel bad saying Mike Davis, like Mike Davis, but you know what I mean? I mean, like, I'm not, I'm not excited <laughs> to take a guy like that. I'm not excited to take a guy like Miles Gaskin, even if they project for pretty good workloads. Like I think there's much, there's just as likely a chance that Mike Davis or Miles Gaskin is like kicked to the curb as there is a chance, um, you know, for a guy like Daryl Henderson to get kicked to the curb. And there's much more upside with this situation than there is in those other situations. So that's kind of a big takeaway here. All right, another one here, and this one hits close to the heart for me. Headlines out of Browns camp has already been pretty rosy when it comes to one Odell Beckham Jr. Baker Mayfield says he looks great. Jarvis Landry, you know, his BFF college teammate, um, you know, these guys are texting each other all day sort of thing. Um, Dalton, how many, side note, is there anybody in your life that you like talk, text every single day outside of like your wife. And I mean, you obviously like live together. So that, that's a whole nother thing. I do have a close buddy that we text constantly. Actually. Yes. Every day. Yeah. Is that, is that, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I have, I was, I was really hoping yeah. you would back me up on this. Like I don't talk to, I, I mean, I have like, a, okay. I have a group chat of friends that I talk yeah, to every I have a group single one day, too, yeah. but like there yeah. is nobody I am texting every single day. So I always, I always admire guys who are able to stay in touch like that because i'm like the stone worst my fiance is talking to like 15 people every day all the time and i'm like what the hell do you have to say so shout out to beckham shout out to landry shout out to you and your friend for being uh that, that's that's good stuff we should all we should all be better about staying in touch weird tangent there but the point here is you know, these no guys, phone calls, by the way, only texts. No, I mean, phone calls are out, out of the question these days. Actually, talking on the phone is, is a non-starter, to be clear. Phone text, call, yes, yeah, I'm give me a break. Them. Also, find but, it weird when people but, are, like, FaceTiming each other just to chat. Like, who wants to – I don't want to look at anybody. Give me a break. And I don't want anybody looking at me. Leave me alone. That's kind of my thing here, basically, is, like, don't anybody talk to me uh, unless we need, to, we need to communicate about something or um, we live in the same house. Anyways, there was a period of the podcast absolutely no one cared about. But Beckham, Landry, best friends, we know that. Landry is excited about the way Beckham looks. It seems like the team is very excited to have Beckham back. Am I a sucker for buying into Odell Beckham one more time? Let me tell you what, Dalton. I went back and watched him last year. He doesn't quite – let's just put it this way. He's not quite at the elite Hall of Fame trajectory he was on early with the Giants – but he was definitely much better as an individual player than he was in his first year with Cleveland because I think he was healthier. It just sucks that we have another injury question with him. He's coming back from another injury. But, man, I really think that if you sprinkle a rare, a very good Odell Beckham on top of this Browns offense, like I don't buy into the whole him and Baker just can't figure it out chemistry-wise at all. I think that's more coincidence than anything else. The fact that Mayfield pops off when Beckham's not there um, – the fact, I think he's comfortable in the offense last year when when Beckham went out. Um, I don't know. I, I think you can really get excited about this Browns offense if like you sprinkle a very good number one receiver level Beckham on here. And where he's going in drafts right now, I find him to be a very attractive pick. To further your point on just how good Beckham's career start was, uh, Jetpack Guy, Guy Ayo, uh tweeted – Galileo tweeted on a per game basis. O'Day um, Beckham has a, was the most productive receiver ever before he were going to Cleveland. I mean, he averaged more points per game fantasy wise than Randy Moss and uh, uh, Jerry Rice, Julio Jones, Michael Thomas, 20.6 fantasy points per game before he went to Cleveland. 
Um, it is weird that, that uh, Baker Mayfield's average, I think, like 0.7 more yards per attempt when he's off the field. But it might just be noise. I think the same could be said uh, when he's when, when Tyreek Hill and Mahomes. So I don't make a ton of that. There's a narrow tree. There's just Jarvis Landry there who's aging. Yeah. Um, uh, so, yeah, I'm buying uh, Beckham. I have him ranked higher than I have in a few years. And I think he's underrated compared to ADP. I'm with you on this. I have him border. I have him nearly like my wide receiver 20 right around there. Yeah, I I think I could bump him up too. I mean, I have him at like 25. And you know, I think yep. that's pretty fair. I man, I just I, he's never going to be that legendary player like like literally that was what I always said with him. Like he was off to a legendary type of start with the Giants. He's not going to be that guy. They're they're not going to throw the ball enough in Cleveland for him to be that guy. But man, I I really think it's not just a Beckham equation too. I also just think he could elevate the efficiency and the ceiling of the entire offense if he's out there and he's closer to being right. Um, this is a training camp story to monitor. I know, like I said, it's, it's, it's flowery right now. I get that. Also, you could just be, end up being Charlie Brown, Lucy in the football, you know, that whole thing. Like if he gets hurt again in freaking week seven, we know that that's possible, but right now I do think it's worth, worth buying and on the, on the upside. And I also want to, like, damn it, I just want to believe, right? Like, that that's kind of where I'm at, too. Like, I just, I really want this to happen. Still just 28 years old, and he was putting up those historic numbers, you know, with with worse quarterbacks than he has now throwing to him, too, in the past. So, yeah, I think, be- yeah, Beckham's a good, a good, good year to buy Beckham, I think. Yeah, definitely. Uh, let's move on to the Eagles. I think it's worth paying attention um, to Zach Ertz getting traded. How much do you care about Zach Ertz getting traded? <laughs> Well, I, I just kind of assumed it was going to happen, and I had Goddard as my tight end seven all along, but I maybe I have to drop him down a little because if his presence will will affect him there. So, yeah, I don't, I don't love that, that he has not been traded. So, yeah, it's a, it affects Goddard more than anything I can think of. Uh, tight ends, man. I, I've been more warming up to getting Darren Waller early. Um, this is such difference makers. Those guys at the top are, and then maybe Pitts uh, a little bit later after that. But, uh, yeah, tight end position, it really is looking like, uh, you know, get one of those true difference makers at the top or then it's another one of those dark throw years yeah absolutely like i guess the only thing like zach Ertz, as for zach Ertz as an individual i agree with you like dallas goddard we need this to happen and i think it's gonna happen like i it sounds like there's no way he's actually on the week one roster um like he could just end up getting cut i guess i don't know like contract wise what would happen there but uh, it needs to happen for Dallas Goddard's sake, but for Zach Ertz, I think the only way that it would really move the needle for him is if he got traded to Indy, you know, familiar coaching staff, obviously familiar quarterback uh, if he ended up there. But like, I definitely don't want him. There's all those rumors about Buffalo. It's like, good God, please, please. No, like, no, don't don't send him to Buffalo. We got old Dawson Knox there. That's good enough. That's good enough. We don't need anything totally. interrupting totally. Uh, the 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 distribution tree there. Like. I agree with you. It's it's definitely really tempting to just take Darren Waller at tight end two, um, you know, and be aggressive on that one because everybody after that has a lot of question marks. I, I will say though, I have been and I could be the sucker here. I have been warming to Mark Andrews at like tight end five and Tyler Higby at tight end six. I think those guys have pretty good outlooks. Um, well, I'm, I'm a spot or two down there, depending on what you want to do with Kyle Pitts. But yeah, I don't know. I have been definitely warming to those guys. That's for which I I, I love regret. Hawkinson too. But yeah, Higby, I, Higby, I think you move above Goddard now with this Ertz move, if nothing else. So yeah, I could see I could see that. Uh, one thing, talk about this Eagles passing offense real quickly. Um, circling back, what I, I did not realize that Miles Sanders graded second to last in PFF as far as receiving backs last year. Only Ronald Jones was worse. Uh, his yards per route run was horrible. I, I always kind of pictured him as a receiving back, but he was horrible last year. So it might be more gain well than people realize. Right, right away. Dalton, you know, we just talked about this earlier. Neither one of us like really emphasized drops when it comes to wide receivers. But Miles Sanders had like a 30 percent drop rate last year. It was bad. It was really, really bad. <laughs> like I thought I remember. Th- I know. And he was used heavily as receiver his rookie yeah. year, too. So just in my head, I know I'm like, oh, he's going to be a third, you know, a receiving back. But he might. Yeah, he might have got his chance and, and completely uh, ruined it. Yeah, those drops were bad. Good point. Yeah, that, there were some glaring ones down the field, too. Yeah. Right. Like touchdowns. I yeah. haven't. I just whenever I'm in drafts, anything like that, I, I never feel comfortable taking Miles Sanders like at, at any point. I 
I mean, sure, if he slipped way, way below ADP, obviously you go ahead and do that. But where he's going right now, man, there's like just not, you can almost make the case for basically any player from like a roster building perspective, this, that, whatever. I don't know. I, I was really into Sanders last year and it's got nothing really to do with the player himself. It's just like, I don't know that I trust the Eagles offense in general. All the receiving concerns, as you mentioned, there's just not really like any scenario where I feel very excited to take Miles Sanders. That's for well, sure. And 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 Her- Hertz may help his yards per carry, but he'll take away goal line exactly. scores and probably won't throw to running back. Mobile quarterbacks typically don't throw to running backs as much. And who knows with that coaching staff? Definitely some wild cards there. So yeah, I'm with you. I'm out on on Sanders. Here's a spicy take. I just recently moved ahead of him. This you probably will disagree with, but I, it's it's spicy. But Travis Atn, I'm warming up more to really? man with the Lawrence connection. The Lawrence can oh. I'm a rookie sucker for rookies, but his numbers were like video game there. James Robinson's an undrafted free agent who's not even tied to the coaching staff i'm sure this will result in carlos hyde getting 15 touches a game but i am being a sucker and if i'm at the running back dead zone which i've been avoiding more this year i remember last year i was told you i'm like i'm taking four straight running backs it did not end well and i will not do that again and um but if i were to be a sucker and take one in that running back dead zone it would be a daryl henderson or it'd be the travis atn i'll admit it to you right now what about your guy trey sermon i i have him like ranked in that range i know that he goes later than that but i've I feel very excited. I don't know. I'm, I'm excited about all the Niners players. Oh, I'm in on him too. Yeah. So I have him ranked aggressively too. Yes. No. I, yeah. Uh, Mostert cannot stay healthy. I love Mostert, but he cannot stay healthy. And and Sermon, who has b- battled some injury problems himself in college, but oh, his outside zone scheme seems like a perfect fit. The coaches love him. So yeah, I'm with you there. Sermon could be huge. I feel like getting the 49ers right this year is like the key to winning your fantasy championship in a way. Like with Sermon going in a range where he is very like he could definitely way 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 out kick his adp like he could be an electric pick where he's going we both love Ayuk the player um trey lance if you get him late in like he's starting week one you're gonna get a huge value there it's just tough like there's questions with sermon there's questions with the volume in the passing game as a whole obviously we have no idea when or if trey lance will start games this year i mean he's gonna start games this year but when is that gonna happen but if you get these guys right, I think I, I really think like they're the they are the team to get right this year. They are, like we should spend next podcast we do together, Dalton, like all the full forty five minutes, like just trying to figure out what to do with the Niners. And I mean, obviously, you're going to tell everybody to draft all of them, <laughs> but you know, yeah, I, I'm actually lower on Kittle. I just worry about him missing a few games. But if he were to stay healthy, I mean, he would set historical. He already set historical numbers, but he really would. And the, the interesting thing with the Niners, you're, you're spot on there, is because once the quarterback does make the change, their their whole system will be so yeah. different. You know, from Jimmy G to Lance, it's so so dramatic. Trey Lance, literally, his range of outcomes in a super flex league is first round fantasy value to zero snaps. Yeah plate i mean that's pretty wild i mean it it really is the minute he steps on the field he should be a top seven ish type fantasy qb because of his rushing ability and his his system i mean maybe that's aggressive with how raw he is but i think his rushing stats really should keep the floor high and uh but he may not play if they're they're the easiest projected schedule by far when you go on vegas odds um and win total so jimmy g could easily be you know mediocre and then being seven and one and no need for a trade at quarterback so niners definitely fascinating Any, any changes i think trey lance would change how you project the offense from a volume perspective like from a passing volume perspective because he's going to take those rush attempts and everything like that we already know they're going to be a run heavy offense in general even with jimmy g under there but then when he takes it over i think it changes the not the like market share of the offense but the raw volume of targets for guys like kittle for guys like Ayuk, for guys like debo samuel and i like all three of those players um I like Ayuk the most where he's going in drafts right now. And I just, I think he's like, he has the profile of a guy that you, you don't want to bet against. I think as a pure player, as a route runner, as a separator, everything like that, like you want to be in on Brandon Ayuk, but Kittle and Samuel are still there and they could all be eating from a very small plate. If Trey Lance takes over, but Trey Lance could also be so good. If the Niners have this evaluation, right. He could also be so good that he boosts the efficiency to the point that we're not so worried about the volume, which I think is another part of the equation. Like I said, we could do like a 45 minute show on trying to figure out the damn Niners. And I think it's important to get this team right this year. 
Yeah, real quickly though. They, so the number going around is they're going to try to maybe attempt 500 carries this year, which would be easier, obviously, in 17 games. But their offensive line, they re-signed Trent Williams, who was a beast when he returned last year. They signed Alex Mack. It's sad, real big center problems with injuries the last two years. Alex Mack's not in his prime anymore, but last time he was with Kyle Shanahan in Atlanta, it ended pretty well. Well, I guess not totally ended well, but it worked out pretty well for offense. And they drafted uh, Aaron Banks, this absolute beast-looking kid from uh, Notre Dame to play guard. Their offensive line projects well and and while you're right about the those three guys there there it's a narrow tree they don't even know who their wide receiver three is richie james jalen hurd can't stay in the field so and debo and kittle are all and even Ayuk, they're all banged up so it'll be a rarity when all three are on the field at the same time so i think that'll work itself out and one thing i will note watching all the sick trey lance highlights uh in college he targeted his tight ends a ton in the red zone so we'll see kittle who typically is not targeted down there uh Ayuk, um, you know, Ayuk had the second most targets inside the the five yard line last year in the NFL behind only Devonte Adams. And he played 12 and a half games He's as a rookie. Done. So I like, I talk, talk a little reception perception. Did you like, um, you like his, his versus uh, man and all that. He, he projects to be a future star, yeah, right? He is in a, he is in a range of guys that you do not want to bet against. Like he is in a range of guys where you, it's rare for them to not find that thousand yard season type of success. Um, you would, it would be a shock if you, and I just think he's just, Look, I like Debo Samuel and what he does, but Ayuk is a true alpha number one receiver. Like, I, I think that's where he's at right now. I think he is on the trajectory. He's on, like, the wide receiver archetype. And this is not the type of player I thought he would be coming in the NFL. I thought he would be more of a design touches guy. But I think he has, like, a Stefan Diggs type of trajectory, like the Calvin Ridley, Stefan Diggs, that type of separator, that type of route runner. I think he's that guy. So, yeah, I, I, whether it's this year Maybe it's in 2022 when like Trey Lance gets a little bit of seasoning, but like if you have a dynasty team, you should be getting Ayuk on it right now because I think he is that type of player. Um, I'm not, I'm not worried about the volume for him. I think it's just I don't know how it's going to sort out for guys like Kittle um, and uh, Debo Samuel as well. So like I said. We literally could do a whole podcast on the Niners. <laughs> One final thing. One final, I swear, final thing. Crazy stat. Debo Samuel, more yards after the catch than receiving yards yeah. last year. I mean, that's wild. So he's used so differently. The Niners beat writers said it even before uh, he played a real snap about Ayuk. They're like, last year in, in, in training camp, they're like, they're using him down the field way differently than Debo. He's the, he can run the whole yeah, route tree. Smart. That is, the, they're like, they're basically, like, they both have, I say this about wide receivers all the time. Just because they both have WR next to their name does not mean they're doing the same thing. Like they basically play two different positions and there are plenty of examples across the league of guys like that. There might not be a more drastic difference than Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel. I think you want to, I mean, Debo's great. He's an important part of their offense. Like he's going to give Trey Lance so many layups, which I think is going to be great for the overall, just like how, how this offense matriculates down the field. But Ayuk is the stud. Ayuk is the number one wide receiver. I don't think there should be any debate about that. If you know anything about football, you shouldn't you shouldn't debate that. Basically, like that is just the reality of, of the situation. Um, one final team here because we talked about tight ends. Um, I'm paying attention to the New England Patriots for a number of different reasons. One is I obviously want to know who's going to win the job at quarterback. Like, is Cam Newton going to hold off Mac Jones, or is Mac Jones going to be good enough to displace Cam Newton, who Bill Belichick seems to love. Cam Newton, um, but probably didn't love the results that Cam Newton brought last year. Um, I want to pay attention to that. I also want to pay attention to their receivers. I think Jacoby Myers is actually a really good late round sleeper as a wide receiver. Um, But of course, the big question too is the tight ends. Is there any clarity in terms of like who's going to run more routes? Who's going to be more of the blocking guy? You'd think it'd be Janu as the receiver and Henry as the blocker, but Janu is going in a range where I'm I'm like tempted to draft him. I thought it'd be all out on both of these guys, but neither one has gotten like the hype has come down on both to the point that they're in decent range now draft position wise. I think John is a pretty good blocker too. I have them ranked below ECR. I keep being told on the the thing when I compare my <laughs> rankings. It's just basically because I think they might cancel each yeah. other out. But I don't. If one if one got hurt, I'd raise the other one twelve spots. I guess is what I'm saying. But the, obviously, if any team knows how to utilize two tight ends, it is the Patriots. But I don't know. I guess just because they're both there, I would I would rather the Gerald Everett or the Irv Smith or the, even the Troutman or the Ferkser because there's only one of them there. So that by itself just has me lower them to around the twenty range. But 
I mean, whatever. Like I said, if one of them got hurt, then the other one would be suddenly become very interesting. Or maybe some of this will become more clear when the quarterback position becomes clearer too. But a lot of unknowns of these guys changing systems and and all the other receiving. You know, they brought in Aguilar. I mean, yeah. I mean, I've been drafting Jacoby Myers, but a lot of unknowns in New England. Other than I'll stick to what I told you this during the last pod. Damian Harris is going to be a beast. That's that's my only stance on me on too. The Patriots. That is one of my confidence stances with Harris, and I think he's a guy that like when and if the quarterback change happens he would rocket up draft boards because he would probably oh, yeah. be in position to catch more checkdowns with a guy like Mac Jones, even though that James White is still there. Like that's, he's going to be the receiving back for sure. But a little bit of reception boost, I think you'd give to Damian Harris if Mac Jones is all back there. And also the big thing is goal line work too. So yeah, I, I agree with you. I would be in on Damian Harris. I'm in on him right now. I'd be in on him even more if Mac Jones is back there, even though they're talk about the, we talked about the Beckham thing earlier. There's a little part of my heart, too, that's like, I really like, wouldn't it just be awesome to see Cam have some kind of like wild comeback? But probably not going to bet on that at this point in our human existence. Dalton, what are you working on this week? What can the people look forward to from you? I've been doing some ongoing series comparing my ranks that are outliers compared to ADP. I think wide receivers was this week. I'm going to do a running backs one next week. And uh, yeah, just just follow me on Twitter for, for the awesome. Calls. Well, I as the um, certified number one rankings accuracy guru will be reading right. every one of those columns and telling Dalton where um, I am correct. And he is obviously wrong because undisputed champ. Love it. <laughs> so stupid. So, so love it. So love stupid. it, Harmon. Congrats once uh, more, man. So Congratulations, uh, sir. Yeah, I bow. Ridiculous. But anyways, uh, yeah, make sure you read Dalton's work. Uh, I always like to know where he is uh, versus rankings because I think that's really important. And Dalton is definitely a guy willing to stick his neck out there uh, for players he believes in. So that is definitely good stuff for you all to check out. Um, in addition to that, while you're waiting to find out who Dalton is ahead or um, below consensus on with his rankings. We have a lot of exciting podcast updates here at Yahoo Sports. Charles Robinson, the Charles Robinson, is bringing back our NFL podcast. It's now you pod to win the game. And I think you have, like, legally, it should be required to say it like that every time you mention the podcast. You pod to win the the game that's an awesome name if you're looking for college talk follow the college football inquirer with dan wetzel pete thamel and our friend pat 40 from si i promise we've got the only college football podcast in the world taping episodes from tokyo well that is a, that's a promise i mean that is that's a promise by the way great names for these two pods that's awesome um we're just still Yahoo fantasy football forecast. Like, I don't know. I feel a little, a, a twinge of jealousy with these names here. Um, in addition to all that, always a great name, always a great podcast. You should be listening to the Post It Up podcast with Chris Haynes for more in-depth conversations from the world of the NBA. I'm at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. I've talked way too much. That's at Dalton Del Don. Check us out on Twitter at Yahoo Fantasy. Scott will be back with more podcasts from us on Tuesday. Until then, we are out. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.